Welcome to Running On Purpose, a weekly podcast dedicated to training the body, the mind, and the soul for what the race requires. My name is Steve Sisson, and I will be your host. Hello, world. Welcome to Running On Purpose. This episode was initially one 90-minute long episode, and after about a week or so of being up, I realized, based on user and listener experiences, that it was just too much information to digest in one long episode. So I've cut it up, added some new intros, and hopefully made it a little little bit easier listening experience for all of you. So without further ado, here is episode two of the Running On Purpose podcast. Hello, world. This is the first full episode of the Running On Purpose podcast. As I said before, I'm Steve, and I'm really excited to be back here with you talking about our sport of distance running. Um, I've got a doozy of an episode for you this week. Um, I think in a lot of ways, the conversation that I'll be having with you um, is one that we'll be continuing week after week because much of the content that I'll be discussing um, is just a bit, is a kind of a big picture and we'll be able to unpack many of these different um, specific uh concepts and ideas into full episodes and uh, perhaps provide a much more detailed um, game plan and master plan for you as you're looking at your running um, week to week, month to month, year to year. And that's really what my goal is with this podcast is to provide a bigger picture and to provide a sort of a a larger landscape in which you can be thinking about your specific experience of being a distance runner. A lot of ways I feel like what is provided for by, by many folks, both um, in the written word and in the spoken word. um, And even in your experience of being coached or coaching yourself in whatever way that is, uh, is that it seems to me like there's so much of what is done is done in the small scale or at least the day by day or the rep by rep. Um, and while that is very important and really essential to getting through each and every um, workout and getting through each and every repetition, it is exceedingly more valuable to have a wider view and to know context and set and setting for the things that you're doing so that you can optimize the experience of your training, which should help you on race day execute in the way that you want to. And if your training is not designed to do that, then um, why are you doing it? So anyway, hopefully we'll be able to go more into details on that. And uh, I'm excited about getting started. So this week's topic is why you should be your own coach and how to get started. All right. So my first point is the reason that you should be your own coach is because you give a shit, right? So you care about your performance. You care about your race results. You want to get better and you want to know how. So if that, all four of those points, um, you can check a box beside and say, yes, I agree. I do care about my performance. I do care about my race results. I want to get better and I want to know how, then you are absolutely a candidate for self-coaching. Those are the prerequisites. Uh, If you can say yes to them, then you need to be coaching yourself. Uh, And this episode will cover the basics and how to get set 
up with doing that, both from the perspective of your mindset and kind of providing an initial basic template to allow you to get started and to be able to effectively coach yourself. Um, so with that said, I want to make sure that I give a bigger picture here, especially when it regards um, the topic of self-coaching and whether you need a coach while you're self-coaching. Um, the first initial statement I will say is do not go out and fire your coach. Um, of course, I am a coach, so I sort of have a vested interest in this. Um, you know, it's something that uh, I see a value in the, what I do. I actually believe that my coaching is my path. It's a way that I help people the way I help myself and the way I provide um, the best expression of myself in this world. But I also know that it's much more effective for me as a coach if my athletes are engaged in the process and if my athletes are in, an are in the place where they're testing their own thoughts and their own experiences against the sessions that I provide and if they're reflecting on their experiences and how they'll play out on race day, then I'm a significantly more effective coach. So you might say by telling you to self-coach, I could be, you know, undercutting my own value. But I have learned over the years that not only am I not undercutting my value, I'm actually proving the difference maker that I have as a coach. And so it actually raises my level. But so what I'm asking you to do basically is to add another coach to the mix. So you have a coach. If you do, um, then continue using that coach and just add yourself as an assistant or as a co-coach. However you want to look at it, it doesn't matter. Or you could be the head coach and the, the, the coach that you have could be the assistant. It doesn't really matter how you frame that. What matters is that you've got four pair of eyes looking at this. You've got two bodies looking at it and you've got the experience of a coach who has probably been down the road for many years and has more... Um, experiences than you do and they actually have different experiences and this makes just the right kind of combination in my mindset so so let me tell you why i like coach athletes that are self-coached or who are willing to um be in the role that they are many of the athletes that i work with um right now might not consider themselves self-coached but i think when they listen to this they will see that the style of coaching that i provide um, in a lot of ways requires them to uh, get active and engaged in the training process. So the reason I like and prefer athletes who are self-coached is because, number one, I know that that shows commitment. It means that they're committed to their goals. They It means more than just putting one foot in front of the other and getting in uh, an exercise day. Uh, it means more than just losing the calories that they have to or trying to keep the, the figure that they're looking for. It's more than just a piece of a bigger puzzle for them. It's um, a bigger piece of a bigger puzzle. So it shows commitment. Number two, it shows focus. It means that they're capable of breaking down the constituent parts of what training is from the physical to the mental to the spiritual slash soul to the whole ball of wax that makes um, – our sport requires. And I think many people don't look at it that way, but a self-coached athlete does. It also shows intent, the ability to set a big goal, to intend to do work that is difficult and challenging and relentless in many cases. Um, that intent 
means that I've got an athlete who has the same goal that I do in optimizing their performance. Um, Self-coaching also shows critical thinking. It means that the athlete has the ability to think beyond just a binary succeed or fail circumstance in their training and that they're able to say, hey, is this the best option for me? And they'll be out on the course doing the work and in some cases, especially with the athletes that I coach online, they are, I'm not there physically watching them. I can't make the call in that moment about whether they should continue or how they should continue, if they should adjust their paces, what adjustments they should make. And so that effective critical thinking means that I can count on my athlete to be really effective and to optimize what I'm trying to get done in their training session. I also prefer athletes... Um, that are self-coached because they have the ability to have effective reflection. Um, That means they're able to take that individual session that they did, reflect on what happened during the workout itself, and then insert that or look at that in the bigger, broader picture and be effective at that. Um, And then that also is a level of engagement um, that reflection requires. So now they're not just looking at me as their coach to say, all right, I did this session of, I love to say 10 by 800, right? What did I achieve and what happened? So yeah, that's reflection, but then engaging in the next session say, so how will the next workout accommodate this one? And what, what is happening in the next workout that I can learn both from the physical experience of doing the work I did in that session, but also the ability to say, I see how that 800 session is playing into this tempo run that I'm doing here or this long run quality workout that I'm doing. So um, those are the main things. And really what that all boils down to is it means that I can count on my athlete to meet me halfway in this process. Um, So it makes my job a whole lot easier and it makes my, it allows me in that role and in that job of being a coach, it allows me to be so much more effective. So why should an athlete um, be self-coached? And um, what are the, uh, what are the reasons that Overall, in bigger picture, I just gave you some some ways that it helps me as your coach or it would help your coach in that process. But why does it help you and what information do you have and what what aspects of training are you bringing to the puzzle as a self-coached athlete? Well, the first and most important thing is that you know yourself better than anyone else does. Go back and look at the number of years that you've been running. Those number of years, those days of running are experiences of you moving through space and understanding better what your um, what what has happened during that. So how it has affected your um, foot strike, the way that you push off, whether you get a side stitch, whether you have to walk, whether you run. You're in the experience of that body and you are the best, the best at understanding what that means for a race result and what that means for your day-to-day training. Um, So some of you will look at me and say, well, that's obvious. Well, it's obvious, but I think because it's obvious, a lot of people overlook it. And I just want to make it really clear from the outset that you're the one running through, you're the one running 
on a day-to-day basis and you're the one doing the work. And so because of that, it's your body and your mind and your soul that is invested in the process. And so you are most effective. Um, Now, I said at the beginning of this that, um, you know, sometimes people are full of shit. And if they are full of shit, then why in the world would you want to be, if you know that you're full of shit, then why in the world would you want to be thinking about that from that perspective? Why would you want to be the one that's responsible for it? Because you're still in that body and you're the one who's going to be running the race, right? So this is the thing. What we, I think that by being a self-coached athlete, you become much, much less full of shit. You begin to start being able to be more critical and more effective in the process. So that's the first thing. Um, you know, you've been on the physical, mental, and emotional roller coaster that serious training is, and your body has gone through that process. So some of you who might be listening, maybe you're just joining us and you're looking for a new running podcast and you're like, this guy, he's he's kind of meta here. He's talking about some some bigger level things. I will admit that that's true, that um, I think that there are a lot of great beginner level podcasts out there discussing running. What I'm assuming from my listener is that they're either A, an experienced runner who's focused on getting better and getting more um, more knowledge and more experience and thinking through these things critically. However, I do believe that this also can be an incredibly effective podcast for people who are just getting started out as long as they're willing to take the time to just listen and experience the things that I'm saying and slowly but surely allow them to find more information. If you listen to me each and every week, I'm going to be getting deeper and deeper into many of these concepts. And so even somebody who's more of a relative beginner, I think, can benefit from the stuff that I'm talking about. But anyway, that's an aside. So number one, you know yourself better than everybody else does, right? Number two, you have the data, all right? Yes, Strava's out there and Garmin is out there and all these other interfaces that allow you to take the information off your Gigameter, my term for a, a running watch or a, a, a smart watch. That, that data is downloaded and maybe, it's, maybe you've published even your data out to the whole world, but nobody really fucking cares. Um, and if they are, they're caring about it from the standpoint of trying to make them, the, the person looking at your data is trying to look at it to see where they stand in relation to your data. They're not thinking about how your data is affecting you, right? So because you have the data and you have the ability to reflect on your data, you need to be someone who's looking at it. And in my experience, most coaches, especially at the rate at which most coaching gigs are set up, it's, it's challenge, it would be very challenging for a coach or they would need to charge an exponential amount of money in order to be able to look at your data every day or even every, every week to stay up to date on what's going on. Now, some of you probably have coaches that have the ability to do that. That's fantastic. Um, but for most people, um, they're not going to be able to afford a coach that's going to be looking at every single one of their sessions and being critical with them on every single session. So you have the data. So you're the one who should be most responsible for the information that's related to it. Another reason why you should be coaching yourself is you have the feelings and emotions. Going back to that first point that I made, it's your body doing the work and you have the feelings and only you have the feelings and you can articulate and describe those feelings to anyone that you want to. You can um, share them with your coach or with yourself or with your training partners, but it will not have the same resonance. It will not have the same feeling. And what that person who's listening to you describe your feelings will be 
removed from it. Um, they'll be removed from the emotional space that that has put you in and what kinds of self-talk and what kinds of experiences and ways of dealing with experiences that you are relating that through. So because you have the feelings and you have the emotions, you are the best front and the best coach that you can possibly be for yourself because no one else is going to feel those. Um, another reason why you be, should be self-coaching is you set the goal, right? So you're the one who has decided out of the clear blue sky to go get a coach or to get excited about training for some particular race distance and probably at some time that you want to run it in, whether that's pulled out of a hat or you were at a dinner party and somebody talked about getting a Boston qualifier and you said, wow, how old am I? How much, what, what did Boston qualifier require for me? And you got fired up and excited about it, right? For whatever reason or wherever you're coming to from this, you set the goal. Your coach didn't set the goal. And if your coach did set the goal, it requires you to get invested in that. And so therefore you set the goal. Setting the goal is why I think most importantly it is for you to self-coach because that is something that might change. And you are the one who will know whether or not it's changed, whether you um, find it to be too challenging and too much for you, or if you find that you set a goal that is a little bit, a little bit easier than you expected and that you want to make the adjustment. So you can reflect on that with your coach, but your coach has probably provided a training cycle and paces and things of that nature that are related to the initial goal that you set. So if your goal changes, you're going to need to be self-coached and have the ability to move nimbly and flexibly into the new time. And you're going to need to um, be ready for all the attendant changes that have to occur because of that. So um, another reason why you should be self-coaching is that you want the result. So nobody really cares. Again, anybody that cares is only caring in the sense of trying to measure themselves against the standard that you put out there. Very few people are caring that much that you get your Boston qualifier or caring that much that you get an Olympic trials qualifier or whatever the level of expectation you have. That result is your result. It's not other people's results. And you're the one who cares about it. So you're the one who should be invested and doing the work necessary to get it. And that means self-coaching. That means getting more critical and more reflective and looking deeper into the specifics of what it takes to coach a person and what it takes to coach you specifically. So by you wanting the result, you are showing that number one, you can set it. Number two, that you want it. Um, you're needing to be critical about the coaching process and insert yourself into that process. So another thing is you do the workouts. So any coach that you have is going to be looking at those workouts and reflecting on them. They're going to be looking at those workouts and comparing it to where they think that you will be in the continuum of the training program overall. And they'll be looking at it and saying, wow, you did, you know, three times three miles at this pace. And so therefore, I think that you're on your way to achieving the goal that you want to in a marathon, if that be the case. Um, but they, and so they can reflect on that, but you did the work. And so you know what the experience of doing that workout is and you understand internally whether or not you feel you're close or far away from the goal that you set. And you're the one doing the workouts, so you should be active in the process. And most importantly here, okay, I do think that workouts are the are crucial and critical, but let's talk brass tacks. I mean, you run the race, okay? So you are the one who is going to be standing on the starting line. 
peeing down the side of your leg because you're nervous, especially if you have a goal that's challenging one. And your coach is not, or your training partners are not going to be beside you every step of the way throughout the entire course. Whether you run 5K or 10K or a half marathon or a marathon, you're on your own. As I like to say, you're buck naked and all alone out there. And that means that in order to be effective out there on your own, you should have and should be self-coaching. You should be integral and tied into the entire process of deciding each and every workout, the reflection on each and every workout, where you're moving forward from there and looking at it from a bigger picture perspective, okay? And then the final point on why you should be self-coaching, um, I think that you're running the race is the most um, obvious reason, but perhaps more important, but maybe a little less obvious is that you live your life. You go to work every day. You have your family and you know what that family requires. You have travel. You have stress. And no matter what happens, no matter how good a coach is, they do not have the ability to be in your shoes and to know what that experience of life is. Um, great coaches have the ability to know what the experience of your training is, um, whether they've been running themselves or they've just worked with enough athletes to be able to say, this is the way that these things progress. But you are an N of one. You are an experience of one. And I gave you a, a variety of different reasons why you should be self-coaching from a training perspective, right? But more importantly, you should be self-coaching because only you are living your life. And you're going to have to make day-to-day -day decisions, how much sleep you get, when you do your training, when you have the ability to race. All of these things you're dovetailing into a bigger, more um, complicated life with your partner, with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, with your family, and, and, and with your colleagues at work, with your bosses at work. All of this has to be um, finally joined in order to have the kind of effective race result that you want. One of the reasons why I love working with adult athletes and it's my favorite group of people to work with is because it just excites me to see how hard and how effective training can be for someone who has to balance their life with their training. When I worked with collegiate athletes and post-collegiate athletes, um, the number of stresses in their lives were really low. Um, they were big stresses, right? There's an there's a, the stress of getting yourself situated and ready to be um, an adult and have an occupation and those things that are stress for the collegiate athlete. The post-collegiate athlete, a lot of times, they're dealing with a lot of existential dread about whether or not um, the path that they're on as being an elite athlete is worth it and should they go on and be more effective at their jobs. But the people who are able to balance this kind of training, um, serious, focused, committed training, um, on a day-to-day -day basis are just badasses. And my guess is if you're still listening to this podcast at this point in time, you too are a badass. So if you're a badass, why are you giving your power away to another coach? Why are you abdicating your responsibility and saying, I just do the work, I just show up and I do the work? Okay, but that's bullshit. You're also living your life. And what I'm going to do in this podcast and hopefully over the next couple of months is to give you um, a bigger picture on how you can self-coach and effectively engage yourself in this process. If I've done that, I've done my job. All right. So that was the first portion of the How to Self-Coach long, 90-minute long episode. And I've now cut that up 
and you can go on and find the next portion of this where I discuss Dirty Dark Coaching Secrets on Episode 3. Thanks for listening to the Running On Purpose podcast, and I am excited to, uh, to be sharing this stuff with you. So find me next week or find me next episode. Godspeed.